so I went to the State Department the day of the South African presentation to ask about their condemnation of this case. And I honestly, like, it, it, the condemnation came after the presentation by South Africa, but they had already condemned it before listening to the evidence. Um, was it Blinken? Blinken already declared that the case was meritless and that it was just, it was harming all the good work he was doing in the region <laughs> on his 10 nation tour. Um, this was hours before the Biden administration and the, the uh, Sunak or whoever controls him administration in London elected to attack Yemen. So the, the, the ICJ was the big issue in the room at the time. Let me say something quickly before you, yeah. go to the, Go you ahead. Know, Max, I'm, I'm sorry to, to um, no, give you go for it. Yeah, but listen, this, this was masterful. This was masterful questioning here. And journalism school should, should, should play this clip. This was really well done. And uh, his answers are incredible. Um, he, he he couldn't give a straight answer because of course they're in such an impossible position they're well they're well aware of their exposure and you nailed them perfectly on this so this is the clip thank you again for for saying that i i, I just like felt indignant i actually kind of just jumped in there a little out of turn because i knew he wasn't gonna call on me and i was piggybacking off another reporter who was kind of working along a similar line just a little context the temperature is definitely rising in the State Department briefing room, and more and more reporters are calling them out on their hypocrisy, specifically around the issue of genocide. Uh, Secretary Blinken has accused China of genocide for its treatment of the Uyghurs, but Blinken didn't point to any mass killing there. According to Euromed Monitor, 4% of the entire population of the Gaza Strip is now dead or injured and just... 90 days, 65,000 tons of munitions have been dropped on the Gaza Strip, three times what was dropped on Hiroshima. You have in evidence of industrial-style killing. The South African legal team presented 20 minutes straight of statements on the record by Israeli leadership expressing the intent to commit genocide, for example, referring to the Palestinian population as Amalek. So how can you explain this discrepancy between Secretary Blinken accusing China uh, ex explicitly of genocide with no mass killing, presenting no evidence of the mass killing of Uyghurs, and then dismissing out of hand the potential that Israel could be committing genocide in the Gaza Strip, calling it unfounded. How do you explain this discrepancy? Uh, the same way that I just explained it to your colleague who asked essentially the same version of your question, which is that each conflict is different and any kind of determination like this uh, needs to be based on specific facts and law. And, and when it comes to the points that are made, being made in today's hearing, uh, again, I'm not going to uh, speak to those specifically. Israel will have an opportunity to address uh, some of those tomorrow. Uh, but we again feel that these allegations that Israel is committing genocide are unfounded. That being said, uh, we do not disagree that additional steps must and need to be taken to minimize the impact on civilians and we'll continue to raise that directly uh, with relevant partners. And given that you fast-tracked a sale of 14,000 uh, tank shells to Israel bypassing Congress. 
given Secretary Blinken's participation in war. We didn't buy part. We didn't buy I'm just going to stop you right there because the premise of your question is uh, is a little misguided. We did not bypass Congress as part of those uh, as 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 part of that. There is appropriate congressional notification that happens, and we complied with those okay. uh, appropriate. Okay. More and more members of Congress are demanding oversight because they're not getting adequate oversight. But no one disputes that the U.S. is isolated in protecting Israel as it conducts this operation, as it calls it, in Gaza. No one disputes the direct U.S. role. So the question is, the Secretary Blinken, who went to Israel first, declaring as, he was there as a Jew, identifying with the ethno-religious character of this state, which is now standing accused of the potential to commit genocide, is Secretary Blinken concerned that ruling in favor of South Africa in this case could set the stage for his own prosecution or that of your colleagues. I'm just not going to get ahead of uh, hypotheticals and um, you probably shouldn't either. Jackson, go ahead. You probably shouldn't either. I don't know if that was like a, a threat. I guess he's saying he'll never call on me again. Well, that's a fascinating answer because obviously if he thinks that Israel's not guilty of genocide, then obviously he would have nothing to worry about uh, when it comes to Tony Blinken's potential a complicity. So he should have said that. Instead, he declines to give a direct answer. He says, I'm not going to get into that. Uh, and that says to me that they actually are worried about Tony Blinken's exposure because, of course, he is complicit. And on this point, too, about how we did we did not bypass Congress, they did bypass Congress. They did it. They, they've done it twice now. They've invoked emergency powers. Um, uh, they've invoked uh, uh, emergency uh, powers to yes. give them the authority to avoid congressional review. Now, they yes, they notified Congress that they're doing that, but that's not congressional review. That's bypassing. That's basically telling Congress that they're being that they're being bypassed. That's what he's basically saying. Uh, that's what he's claiming is proper oversight, which of course it is not. So he was it's wrong a, to correct you on that. Yeah, it's the same thing they did with Yemen. Yeah, they're telling Congress they're invoking the AUMF post nine eleven AUMF, which is been on the books for over 20 years should have been sunset a long time ago there are emergency laws still on the books for libya for syria i mean it's just an endless series of emergency actions being taken to circumvent congress and he actually had the gall to assert that somehow congress had been notified when you have like democratic senators who are like you know mainstream not very progressive, now complaining about the lack of oversight. And what are these tank shells for? Yeah. I mean, we've covered the case of Dunya Abu Mosin, who was a 13-year-old girl whose entire family was killed in an airstrike. Her leg was blown off. She miraculously survived, was in a bed at Al Nasser Hospital, had given interviews about how she wanted to be a medical professional and help other people get prosthetics and um, treat other amputees. There are thousands of child amputees in the Gaza Strip now. Over a thousand have uh, undergone procedures without anesthetic. She had her head blown off by a U.S. tank shell, fast tracked by Tony Blinken and Joe Biden in that hospital, and this is happening day after day. So this is his response, and it's not just academic or hypothetical to consider the potential for Tony Blinken and company to be prosecuted. Over 100 South African lawyers have warned the U.S. of their intention to take them to the ICJ for their role in this genocide in Gaza and for the historic U.S. role in protecting Israel. Um, I mean, this is from a prominent group of international legal professionals in South Africa addressed to the president of the U.S., 
Kamala Harris, Tony Blinken, and Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House. Notice of intention to hold the government of the United States of America liable and complicit for the ongoing international crimes perpetrated in Israel-Palestine against the Palestinian people. And the crimes continued, continued throughout Israel's presentation today. So it's not just a hypothetical. And uh, so I, I, I should get into it. Absolutely. Uh, meanwhile, the British Foreign Secretary uh, admitted this week that Israel has turned off Gaza's water, uh, which he said they shouldn't do. And then there was this amazing exchange where he's questioned to state the obvious. Well, if, you, if you're admitting that they've turned off the water, then isn't that a war crime? And watch him squirm his way out of giving an answer. Two or three minutes ago, in answer, uh, a reply to the chair, you said, and I quote, one of the things we'd like the Israelis to do is switch the water back on. Now, that says that they turned it off. It says that you recognize they have the power to turn it on. Therefore, isn't turning water off and having the ability to turn it back on but choosing not to, isn't that a breach of international humanitarian law? It's just something they ought to do, in my no, opinion. No, I'm, of course they should do it. Every human <laughs> you don't cut people's water supply off. But I'm asking you in your position as foreign secretary, well, I don't, Around I the mean, point of international humanitarian law, if Israel have the power to turn the water back on that they turned off, surely that is a flagrant breach of international humanitarian law. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm not a lawyer. My, my view is they ought to switch it on because uh, the north of Gaza, the conflict is now effectively over there. And so getting more water and power into northern Gaza would be a very good thing to do. You don't have to be a lawyer to make a judgment about that. You just have to be a human being. Give me, Sir Philip, under international obligations, do occupying powers have an obligation to provide access to water? Yes or no? This is Alicia Kearns. Well, you asked me a technical Sir question. Philip, Sir Philip, I'm really, forgive me, you and I have played this dance enough times. This is Cameron's we deputy. Under international law, there is an obligation for occupying powers to provide water. You asked me a technical question about occupying powers uh, and what their obligations are in international <laughs> law. I imagine you're correct, Chair, but I'm, I'm also not a uh, not a lawyer. I also just would point out. I Philip, don't... Just, just bear in mind, we want to have. Uh, we've come to such a good place working with you because we have the confidence that you do know these details, and that's what your colleagues say. You know that it is not that you presume I'm correct. That is the duty on an occupying power. Yeah, so yes. yeah, I think that I think that is right. Um, so 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 yes, but I would also add that when answering your questions earlier about occupying, uh, occupy. Yeah, I'm not asking you to apply it to Israel. The facts are, though, that they are required to. I mean, imagine if Russia was cutting off Ukraine's water. Would these top British officials dither on whether or not that's a war crime? Uh, claim to not be lawyers. It's such an obvious way to avoid subjecting their ally to uh, minimal accountability and to con justify continue supporting it. But, you know, it's on the record now. David Cameron acknowledged in that hearing that he's consulting foreign office lawyers frequently on the legality of Israel's actions, including cutting off the water. And so he's implicitly acknowledging that Israel's committing war crimes. I mean, it's on the record and the U.S. is running around trying to scare all of these little, all their little tools and vassals uh, 
they Justin Trudeau held his tongue on what was happening at the ICJ and finally came out and said Israel's not committing genocide. I can imagine the American ambassador telling him, you know, various trade dealers are not going to go through. Tariffs are going to go up unless you do this. Yeah. Uh, and there you have David Cameron and his deputy, Sir Philip, eating his, like literally eating his words because they're so afraid to acknowledge what they, which is what's staring them in the face, which is that Israel's not only cut off the water, cut off fuel, cut off electricity, they're not allowing the 1.1 million people to return to northern Gaza. And Cameron acknowledges the, or says the conflict is over there. Uh, they're not allowing them to return to their homes, which have been totally destroyed. There's another part in that hearing that is really fascinating in which Cameron is asked about British captives. There are two points that interested me or I thought were significant about that exchange. First, David Cameron is asked, have any British captives, British nationals who are captive in Gaza come out? And he said, has to, he reluctantly admits no which means that Israel's military objectives have failed and the UK refuses, is refusing. He's failing in his job to push for a ceasefire, which is the only way that their own citizens will come out. Number two, he refuses to identify those captives. Why? Because they're not captives or hostages. They're prisoners of war. They're British nationals who went to Israel or the Jewish state in Israel and the Levant as foreign fighters under much more, with much more agency than Shemaima Begin did when she was sort of manipulated by a British MI6 spy into joining ISIS and who had her citizenship stripped. They've gone there to fight. They were captured as active duty soldiers on base as part of the Gaza division, enforcing the siege of this open air prison. Now they're prisoners of war. And he can't say their names because it would compromise their status. So uh, very revealing hearings. I wish we would have something like that in our own Congress. Yeah, Just I like I wish, I wish we had question hour for Joe Biden. Can you imagine Joe Biden <laughs> under question hour? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You imagine. got me all worked up showing Cameron. Why is Cameron foreign secretary? Like he was destroyed by the British Parliamentary Commission on Libya. They revealed him to be like the worst failure and liar on Libya. And now he's back. What a meritocracy. Well, they can replace him with Boris Johnson. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure that's going to work. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But imagine that kind of questions uh, for coming from a member of Congress to a U.S. official. You know, there's a, you know, I can remember like Ilhan Omar had a great hearing where she questioned Elliot Abrams. That's like a rare time when one of these U.S. war criminals actually got some good oversight from, but that, that, that's one in a million. Um, Whenever they, even the few members of Congress who take the right stance, their questioning usually is pretty weak if they ever, they got the opportunity. We just don't have any real chance here uh, to ask any real questions unless it's people like you, Max, in the State Department briefing room. That's the only place it really goes down. Well, I actually came up through a tunnel in that room. <laughs> it was a Chabad tunnel built by migrants and I turned it into a resistance tunnel. Um, so we'll see if I get let back. But, uh, as I said, the temperature is rising and most people in the Democratic Party, like Democratic Party voters, want a ceasefire. Cindy McCain called for a ceasefire. Like most Americans want a ceasefire. And Biden just won't do it. Blinken won't do it. 